It's time for midday here on this 22nd day of December. Wherever you're at, thanks for listening. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Of course, the whole gang is here. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in a preview of sports coming up in just a couple of minutes. Bob Rogan is also in the studio. Give us a preview of the business report. Right now, again, we're seeing uh, pretty good temperatures across much of our region before those nasty, nasty winds move in later tonight and into tomorrow. We're already seeing 60 degrees in Chadron, 40s and 50s across much of our region right now. So a good way to start uh, this week so far. But let's catch up with uh, Bryce in uh, Lincoln. And uh, Bryce, how are things going there? Well, they're here. That's a good thing. We'll uh, take that as a win. 60 degrees on the 22nd day of December. Is that what you said, Tyler? Well, in uh, Shadwood right now, yeah, and some other areas as well could be seeing 60s. You can't complain about that. Yay or nay on shorts? Uh, you know, yay, <laughs> I guess it's personal choice, I suppose. Golf, maybe? I don't know. Hey, there there you go. There's Lots of things yay. to do when it's this nice out. Well, hey, coming up at 12-19, we'll kick things off from our farm team coverage. As we hear from Amber Ross, she had some experience with INR's Rural Fellows Program as both a student intern and then as a community lead. So Alex will be bringing us that story. Then at 1245, we'll continue our series where we look back on 2020 and also look forward to a new year. Rebel recently had the chance to sit down with the new Nebraska Farm Bureau president, and she'll bring us comments from Mark McCart at 1245. Then wrapping up at 117, in case you missed the news, Congress passed a new COVID relief bill. I'll be visiting with the American Farm Bureau Federation to discuss what all is inside that bill as it pertains to ag producers. Lots of things coming on that, so that story at 117. Tyler, we'll send it back to you. All right, thank you very much. Uh, by the way, Bryce, did you ever uh, figure out your uh, poinsettia, poinsettia no, dilemma not a yesterday? No, uh, The debate continues. Okay, all right. So, well, we at least tried yesterday. All right, let's turn it over to uh, Jason and sports. And, uh, well, we have bowl season uh, underway now. You know, the Huskers won't be a part of it. It is. Uh, yesterday, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I have to admit I missed that one, although <laughs> had I known it was on, I probably would have tuned in. Uh, we have Nebraska men's basketball on the road tonight, beginning Big Ten action against Wisconsin. The Badgers are ranked ninth. They returned just about everybody from last year's team. I, I have a feeling on how this game goes tonight, but uh, – We'll see. Maybe Fred Hoiberg and the boys will surprise me. Well, in case you haven't heard, a Big Ten basketball is uh, legit. Oh, yeah. Rutgers Isofs ranked 19th. Mm -hmm. Rutgers men's basketball. That seems a little bit surprising. So the old threes that Nebraska's due to cast tonight will have to be falling for the Huskers to stay in that one with the Badgers. Tip-off is at 6. We will bring it to you right here on 880 KRVN. Uh, Bo is out of a job, gets another big payment. Uh, LSU will give him uh, between 5 and $6 million get lost. Uh, second tour of duty there didn't go as well as first. Did I see now that between Nebraska uh, and LSU, $11 million? Yeah, that's good money if you can get it. To get fired? <laughs> to just fired. Uh, go go somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. That would be, uh, that'd be great, I guess. His future probably now is in the NFL. Probably so. All right, very good. Thank you very much. Let's turn over to Bob Brogan and uh, preview the business report. How are stocks doing? Drifting. Uh, after Congress approved that rescue package that, that Bryce was talking about, um, and there's some hope for that, that that will help prop up the economy uh, for the next several months. Uh, the U.S. economy expanded at a 33.4% annual pace from July through September, and that report today from the uh, Commerce Department looks pretty good. And we'll have details on those coming up. All right, thank you very much. 
Santa must thought I was a very good girl this year because he stopped by and filled our stockings with goodies. But it wasn't just my stocking. I mean, he filled all the announcer's stockings, even though I'm not sure we were all that good. But we have goodies from area businesses that we want to share with you. Listen daily to call in and win prizes from Plum Creek Marketplace in Lexington or JM's Cards and Gifts and Service Drug in Cozad. It's holiday fun and games at the Rural Radio Network. Time for regional ag weather update. It's 1144 here at KRVN and Paul Perkins has now stepped in and Paul, did you check out the uh, the Great Conjunction, the Christmas star last night? Yeah, it was pretty cool. You could actually still see the difference between the two planets if you really look closely enough. But, uh, yeah, very bright star last night. And some ideal conditions, a lot of people posting some pictures about it. It really was terrific out. I didn't see any cloud coverage, at least in the Kearney area. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot of people out in the rural areas that I noticed had drove out <laughs> of the city to go look at it. So. Yeah, away from that light pollution, mm-hmm. yeah, to really get a good view of it. So, yeah. And, I you know, I, I've heard some people on the Facebook page, Nebraska Through the Lens, has right. some very right. awesome pictures there. So, definitely some good weather to see that. We took the binos out, and you could see the, the little four moons, the dots around them as well. So, that was uh, very cool. So, a uh, unique event, obviously. Switching to today on the first full day of winter, uh, more like a fall day, 50s and 60s. Exactly. Very nice weather, above normal temperatures for one more day, and then we get do get that taste of winter finally arriving in a big way tonight with some strong north winds, some mighty much colder temperatures, and also the prospects of a little snow, but that doesn't look like it'll be a big snow event moving in. Right now, though, we're seeing 60 already in Shadron and some other 50s here and there. But, uh, boy, again, it's almost like a fall, kind of spring-like couple of days right before Christmas. Exactly, and we're going to see a lot of that snow really start to disappear. Still some significant snow cover from about the Tri-City area to around the Aurora and York area to near the Columbus area, but most of us pretty uh, close to snow uh, snow free across the area. A lot of our temperatures in Nebraska in the mid to upper 40s, but we do have temperatures as warm as 55 to 60 from Alliance to Shadron, also some low and mid 50s from southeast Nebraska into much of northern Kansas and also into northeast Colorado. This first full day of winter going to be our warmest day of the next seven with some sunny skies and breezy conditions and temperatures topping out 15 to 20 degrees warmer than average, but some big changes on the way for tonight. And that does include a high wind warning going into effect at midnight tonight, running through 5 tomorrow morning for most of west central and southwest Nebraska, along with much of western Kansas. Expecting northwest wind gusts of 55 to 60 in Nebraska. The high wind warning includes areas along and west of a line from Bassett to Broken Bow, North Platte, and Trenton. In Kansas, the warning area along and west of a line from Atwood to Colby and Leota. A high wind watch is in effect for much of central Nebraska and north central Kansas late tonight through tomorrow. We will see uh, later if that does get upgraded to a warning for central Nebraska and north central Kansas. Still expecting northwest wind gusts of 55 to 60. Also in those areas in Nebraska, the high wind watch along and west of a line from Ord to Kearney and Franklin. High wind watch in north central Kansas along and west of a line from Phillipsburg to Joaquini and Garden City. And we also have more on our Facebook page for KRVM. That strong cold front arriving with those strong winds tonight. 
High wind gusts across the area into the 50s, especially over central and west areas, late tonight through tomorrow. Some rain could accompany the front, and with the combination of the rain and quickly dropping temperatures, flash freezing is a possibility on the roads. Rain will transition to snow showers throughout the overnight, and the strong winds could limit the visibility if we are getting a good dose of snow for a short period of time. Tomorrow will be nasty, dropping temperatures that are likely to spend much of the day in the 20s. Combined with the brutal winds, wind chill valleys tomorrow likely to be near zero. Any snow not expected to accumulate very much, with total accumulations of less than an inch. Christmas Eve day through early next week, though, will be dry and much quieter. Seasonal temperatures on Christmas Eve day will warm to above average for Christmas on into Monday. In the latest long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas forecast to be seasonal to slightly warmer than normal for Sunday through the first four days of the new year. Above normal precipitation likely for Nebraska and Kansas for Sunday through January 4th, especially early on next week. Primary weather factors in the market include conditions remaining the same in South America with dry and hot weather for Argentina and southern Brazil and heavy rain expected for central Brazil this next week. Here on the plains, record-setting warmth is returning in advance of that strong cold front. Today's high temperatures will exceed 60 as far north as central South Dakota. With that cold front late today and continuing through tomorrow, wind-driven snow may result in blizzard conditions in parts of the north-central U.S. High winds will also rake the northern and central high plains. Christmas Eve, low pressure along the cold front, enhancing some rainfall chances in the eastern U.S. In the southern plains, very little precipitation is indicated through the end of the year. More than 80% of the Southern Plains wheat areas in some phase of drought. Brazil's rainfall forecast continues to illustrate a sharp difference as a result of La Nina. North and central Brazil expect heavy rain. The south part of Brazil, notably Rio Grande do Sul, will see a dry pattern. The lack of rain over southern Brazil a concern for possible impacts of drought. Argentina's crop area is predicted to be mostly dry through the end of the year with no more than light rain over primary crop areas. Argentine temperatures also expected to intensify to much above normal. The hotter and drier weather stressful to their crops during the southern hemisphere's summer season. I know you mentioned that the northern regions tonight and tomorrow are going to see more of that snow and precipitation, but that also could uh, impact travel as well. What are we thinking for the central and southern regions as well? Uh, you could see some possible freezing of the roads because we're going to see these temperatures drop very quickly with this strong cold front. And if we see some rain, it uh, may cause for some slick conditions, especially on bridges and overpasses. And if we do see some of that change over to snow with those strong winds, don't be surprised if we have some visibility issues to deal with, uh, especially late tonight into early tomorrow. Okay, so that's good to know if you are going to be traveling tomorrow. And as he mentioned as well tonight, uh, that it could be a little slick and, and hard to see as well. So. Exactly. But it looks like tomorrow as the day goes on, you know, the precipitation chances going well off to our east. And we'll just have to deal with a lot of wind until about the late afternoon. Okay, sounds good. Make sure everything tied down uh-huh. before tonight because uh, you may lose it and you may never give it back. <laughs> For more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much, Paul. Since 2013, the University of Nebraska's Rural Fellows Program has placed student interns in communities across the state where they've really had a chance to make a big difference. And today we're joined on the phone by Amber Ross. She currently serves as the director for the Ravenna Economic Development Corporation. Amber, thanks so much for being with us today. 
Yeah, thank you for reaching out. I'm excited to chat with you about it. Absolutely. So you have a unique role because you served as both a student intern in a service ship role, and you also serve as a community lead. So I want to dive into both of these. But first, um, tell me about your experience as a student intern. Yeah, so um, I was able to go to West Point, Nebraska in 2017 and work with the West Point Chamber of Commerce. And then in 2018, I was placed in um, Columbus with the Columbus Area Chamber of Commerce. And so um, during those times, I was focusing on some community branding, um, some parks and rec assessments, and then um, quite a bit of event planning that tended to be very common in the experiences that I had. So each summer offered me something completely different, and I learned a lot from my community leads. They were able to kind of, you know, encourage me to take complete ownership of a project and really focus on project management, but also taught me a lot about um, those communication skills, the leadership skills, just a lot of those soft skills that people talk about. So you had two experiences as a student intern, and currently you've served as a community lead. Tell me about that transition and some of the things that you get to do then as a community lead. Yeah, so then in 2019, I actually got to help host students in my home county back in Custer County, Broken Bow area. And then this last summer, 2020, I hosted interns here in Ravenna within my new position. Um, And so... Hosting students is a completely different ballgame. Instead of um, really having that project management that I was talking about, I kind of was able to hand that kind of stuff off and really delegate it to those students that were coming in and say, these are some things that we've noticed. Where are your ideas at? What do you want to see happen? And so they were really able to take those things and um, move forward in a really interesting way. What would you say have been some of your key takeaways as a community lead? You talked about your takeaways as a student, but what about being on the opposite side of that? I always am amazed by how excited and passionate the students are, and it's um, really exciting and just rejuvenating. Sometimes when you're in the job for so long and really doing the same things all the time, having somebody come in with a new perspective and saying, hey, this is what we could do, Um, it just, it's really exciting and makes it that much more fun to be in the position. Absolutely. Amber, you have had four separate experiences in four different places. Why is this program important for the communities across Nebraska? So for the communities, I think it's, um, it allows them, like I was saying, to have somebody new come in and offer a completely new perspective and um, really, in some instances, push the community outside of their comfort zone and do something completely different than what they've always been doing. Um, and so it really pushes communities to think outside the box in different ways and um, push the envelope a little bit. Absolutely. Amber, thanks so much for joining us today. That again is Amber Ross. She's the director of the Ravenna Economic Development Corporation. And again, the Rural Fellows Program is currently accepting applications for both students and communities for the summer of 2021. And there are some grants available to eligible communities. And you can find more information at ruralprosperitynne.unl.edu. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. 
Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Nebraska begins Big Ten basketball action tonight on the road at ninth-ranked Wisconsin. The Huskers are four and three, while the Badgers are six and one. Head coach Fred Hoiberg says Wisconsin is legit. They've done a phenomenal job. Greg Gard has has been uh, outstanding with what he's done as far as putting that roster together. Uh, what they did last year, uh, winning the league and bringing uh, pretty much everybody back from that team, uh, it's it's very difficult to prepare for. They know each other so well. Tip off is set for six. We will bring you the game tonight here on 880KRVN. LSU will be searching for a new defensive coordinator. Bo Pelini was let go after one very trying and difficult season in which the Tigers allowed six opponents to gain more than 500 yards. Pelini was in his second stint as defensive coordinator at LSU after serving in the same capacity under Les Miles when the Tigers won the national title in 2017. Now, Pelini will not go away empty-handed. He's guaranteed all the remaining income in his three-year $2.3 million deal which pegs out to buy out at around $5.2 million. 15th-ranked Iowa says it's pausing football activities for at least five days because of a COVID-19 outbreak, but still hopes to play in next week's Music City Bowl. The Hawkeyes are scheduled to take on Missouri in their bowl game in Nashville on December 30th, and Coach Kirk Ferentz says he met with team leaders, and they all overwhelmingly want to play that game. Well, one of the most successful high school coaches in Nebraska is enjoying his time at one of his old stops, Kevin Asher stepped down after incredible run at St. Cecilia last spring to return to Wood River, where he coached from 2004 to 2008. And he says it feels good to be back. Things are still good here. I mean, uh, the kids are hardworking, and we've, uh, you know, had to implement some new things. I'm the third coach in three years, so that uh, took a while. And still, uh, you know, we're up, we're growing and we're becoming better and at some of the things that we really need to be. We got to become more aggressive as a team and. We've got to become better in man-to-man, but uh, being back at Wood River is great. At St. Cecilia, Asher won five state titles and had a state runner-up finish. This year, the Wood River boys are 2-3, and three, heading into their matchup tonight against Cozad. You can hear that game on Cami Country at KRVN.com. That's a check of sports. Have a great afternoon. I'm Jason Jorgensen. It's time for Midday News, as Ellen Simmons has now joined me here in the studio. And Ellen, did you take in the uh, the Christmas star, the Great Conjunction, last night? I did. I saw it just before I left work last night. So Nice. It was, uh, it was, it was unique. Uh, it was interesting, too, because of how they moved apart. They were to- somewhat together, mm-hmm. aligned a little bit, the planets, and then they quickly moved apart, I thought, within a, about an, a couple hours or so. See, I, did, I didn't see it after... I think I saw it at 6.30, and then I didn't see it again. I just I forgot <laughs> to look at it. So I saw them when they were apart, right. when you could first see it, and mm-hmm. I, but I didn't see it when they were together. Hmm. Well, it, is, it was a cool event. Uh, some of the pictures that uh, are uh, merging as well on social media and online, uh, pretty cool stuff as well. Nice. So, uh, What do you have for us here in this Tuesday edition of News? Well, the Nebraska Arts Council has collaborated with History Nebraska on a project called Historic Posters Reimagined. Suzanne Wise, executive director for the council, explains the pro- purpose of the program. That was to rethink uh, those uh, old-timey uh, posters that you saw, like the ones I think the most famous is the Uncle Sam, We Want You for the 
U.S. Army, or there's one of a woman who has her flexing her uh, bicep. Those posters from that era were kind of the inspiration for, you know, what's going on today with the pandemic. Nebraska artists designed the posters, one portraying a woman playing volleyball, and it says, to serve our country, vote, to celebrating 100 years of women's right to vote. At least 10 posters are featured on History Nebraska's website, and those can be purchased there as well, with a percentage of the funds going to the artist. Two men are facing Nebraska charges in connection with the death of a teen whose body was found in the back of a vehicle abandoned in Wyoming last spring. The 17-year-old and 19-year-old had been held in Wyoming since the body was discovered on May 11th. And Omaha police said they have now been returned to Omaha to face charges. Investigators determined that 15-year-old Manuel Gijon Villa had been shot in Omaha around 33rd and L Streets before his body was found on May 11th in the vehicle that was abandoned on Interstate 80 near Rollins, Wyoming. Health officials say it's important to remain vigilant about social distancing to limit the spread of the coronavirus, even though vaccines have started to be administered and the state's virus numbers have improved recently. Douglas County Health Director Addie Poor said the arrival of vaccines this month offers hope that 60% to 70% of the community will have to be vaccinated before precautions can be relaxed. Over the past several weeks, the virus numbers have been improving in Nebraska. The rate of people being infected with the virus went from the fifth highest in the nation early this month to the 29th highest rate on Monday. And finally, Congress easily passed a $900 billion pandemic relief package. The measure promises to deliver long-sought cash to businesses and individuals and resources for vaccinations. Governor Peter Ricketts says he's not up on everything in the package, but believes it will be a great help to Nebraska. But I believe it includes things such as the PPP program, which has been very beneficial to Nebraska. Over 40,000 organizations in Nebraska have participated, uh, $3.4 billion. And uh, that's a great tribute to not only our small businesses that have worked hard to be able to take advantage of that, but also our community bankers who worked hard, you know, got up early, stayed up late to be able to access that website. Uh, my understanding is there's also going to be additional money for states to do testing and contact tracing and so forth. So that's going to be beneficial as well. The bill passed both the House and Senate in rapid succession Monday night and has been sent to President Donald Trump for his signature, expected in the coming days. You can find more news at krbn.com. Thank you very much, Ellen. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Rebel Sakloche reporting. I'm visiting with Mark McCarg, Nebraska Farm Bureau president, to get an aerial view of 2020 from Farm Bureau's perspective. So to start, what are some policy wins that Nebraska Farm Bureau is particularly proud of from this last year? Well, it'd be hard to uh, not mention property tax. Property tax has been such a big thing for our members and Nebraska Farm Bureau and um, we feel like we really did a significant property tax relief done with LB1107 uh, when it's fully implemented, 15%. And uh, I know there's there's some people that's like, well, was it substantial? Uh, was it enough? All those things can be answered by uh, it's 15% more than we had before. We went into the recession. Uh, we're going to continue to work on things, but uh, uh, it was a really hard fought battle given the votes that we have in uh, rural rural Nebraska and uh, the obstacles that it took to overcome uh, and come to a consensus on LB1107. We're very proud of that. A couple other things I want to briefly mention is just the uh, the dicamba issue. 
a lot of our producers use dicamba in uh, fighting some of those pesky weeds in our soybeans, and it's a very good product. Uh, we fought hard to make sure that that, that uh, chemical could be used through the end of the year, and uh, uh, that was a big win. Of course, we talked about waters of the U.S. rule for a lot, a long time. Uh, we ended kind of a four-year battle with that that would have just really uh, been a real infringement on property rights uh, in Nebraska and really all over the country. Uh, healthcare, uh, not necessarily policy, but for Nebraska Farm Bureau, there was, uh, there's just a substantial gap. If you are self-employed on the farm, uh, you may not have access to good health care or certainly anything that would be considered affordable. Our relationship with Medica uh, has been a very positive. It's, it's the product I use for my family, uh, although not as cheap as you would want it to be, still saves uh, almost 15% versus uh, being on the Affordable Care, uh, care Act. So those are a couple couple policy things that uh, has happened and, and something that uh, – Farm Bureau has been involved in. Absolutely. So as the curtains close on 2020, what are some objectives of Farm Bureau headed into 2021? You know, we're, we're looking forward. Uh, we're going to continue to work uh, at Nebraska Farm Bureau of accomplishing our mission and our vision to achieve a great quality of life and prosperity for Nebraska farm and ranch families. You know, we're going to do that through uh, primarily policy because we're a policy organization, but we're going to work very hard getting to know the agency heads, uh, those that are in charge, those that are, are calling the shots. It's going to be uh, extremely important that we do that. Um, no question, trade is going to be top of mind for us. We don't know for sure what the new administration is uh, going to be doing uh, relative to trade, but it's going to be important that we are there uh, encouraging them to uh, continue to seek new trade relationships and uh, encourage uh, this administration to enter back into uh, the uh, new uh, TPP. And then on the state arena, a broadband is just critical. We know that in the COVID era, uh, if we don't have broadband, it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for us to function uh, even at a, uh, just a, almost a low level. And so uh, we need connectivity across the whole state. And then uh, continue to work on tax issues. Uh, we've, got, we've got a long ways to go there yet. Really looking at uh, how can we reform uh, kind of our taxing system. So as we head into the new year, what are some ways that Farm Bureau members can ensure that their voices are being heard? Well, uh, just belonging to Farm Bureau, uh, what your dues uh, help us do is make sure that we have lobby at the state house, and that we have lobby in the federal federal uh, state house and uh, house in D.C. every single day. And by uh, being a part of Nebraska Farm Bureau, we will do that work for you. So you have recently stepped into your role as president. What are some personal goals you have for the organization as you make this transition? You know, some of my personal goals is just um, it's very difficult. We we do such a great job at developing good policy. Uh, I think we know what, uh, in general, what our members want us to do and, and how to help them out with some of their issues. It's very difficult to do that if we don't continue to have uh, influence with those in charge that are making those decisions. So my personal goal is to uh, get to know all of our senators on a first name basis, along with getting to know our members better 
stakeholders out in their districts and areas, getting to know some of their leadership, and then uh, just business leaders and stakeholders that are really uh, driving a lot of the issues uh, in Nebraska, getting to know uh, those people as well. So as we round out our conversation, are, are there any things coming up with Nebraska Farm Bureau that we should have on our radar? We will continue to work hard. I think that's the thing that uh, people need to know. Uh, uh, we're working on my 100-day schedule and what it's going to look like. And I tell you, I can tell you from just uh, being new on the job, uh, there is plenty to do. And uh, we will advocate uh, every single day uh, for those that are, are doing the job of of uh, feeding us and providing uh, food and fiber and energy around the state. Once again, that was Mark McCarg, president of Nebraska Farm Bureau. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Rebel Seclosure reporting on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report for Tuesday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are drifting in mixed trading on Wall Street after Congress finally approved a $900 billion rescue package. The hope for investors is that such support can prop up the economy for the next several months. That expectation has been driving markets for a while, but a new potentially more infectious strain of the coronavirus is casting some doubt on it. The S&P 500 was crossing between small gains and losses and was two-tenths percent lower in midday trading. The Dow was down modestly and the Nasdaq was up. The U.S. economy expanded at a 33.4% annual pace from July through September. That report today from the Commerce Department is the last of three estimates on the economy's third quarter performance. A closely watched gauge for U.S. consumer confidence tumbled to a reading of 88.6 in December as rising coronavirus cases tamped down American optimism to its lowest levels in summer. The December number released by the Conference Board represents a big decline from November's reading, which was revised downward to 92.9. The nation's top infectious disease expert estimates that most Americans will have access to the new COVID-19 vaccines by midsummer. Dr. Anthony Fauci told Good Morning America that he expects to start vaccinating the general population somewhere in the end of March, the beginning of April. He said the process could take up to four months to reach all Americans who want to receive the vaccine. The governor of North Dakota is allowing bars and restaurants to return to regular hours of operation as the active number of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations have declined. The food service establishments had been closed to in-person service between 10 a.m. and 4 a.m. since November 16th. Republican Governor Doug Burgum signed an amended executive order on Monday that allows them to return to normal hours consistent with any local requirements. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Bro. Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network, and today we are joined with Ryan Yates. He's the Managing Director of Public Policy with the American Farm Bureau Federation. And yesterday, Congress passed a COVID-19 relief package, and there's quite a few things that pertain to agriculture and for ag producers. So, Ryan, let's jump into this and tell us what do we need to know about this past bill. Well, I think, you know, the first first and foremost is when up against the wall, Congress can, they can act. And uh, this there was a lot going into this. Uh, this negotiation this weekend, and this uh, really represents weeks and weeks of work, uh, not only to fund the federal government uh, through the omnibus appropriations bill, uh, but to provide that those funds uh, for COVID relief. Uh, and so, again, for agriculture, uh, agricultural producers received um, 
there's a lot of good good Christmas presents in this Christmas tree, if you will. So uh, we are really thrilled with the outcome of, uh, of the bipartisan negotiations that went into this package. And, and um, again, I think um, farmers and ranchers across the country that have been facing uh, the impacts of this pandemic uh, will certainly see uh, continued resources uh, sent their way uh, through passage of this important COVID recovery bill. It looks like uh, some producers will be receiving direct payments again. That's got to be a uh, something, some exciting news for farmers and ranchers out there. Particularly, it looks like things are structured a little differently on the row crop side. Can you tell our listeners how that's going to work? Uh, sure. You know, with for, for agriculture, we we saw roughly um, in terms of food and nutrition, there was twenty six billion dollar carve out uh, with thirteen billion directly going to programs that benefit uh, agriculture. For our uh, specialty and non-specialty crop growers, uh, the the CFAP program uh, assistance only provided uh, coverage for 80% of losses on non-specialty crops, and this round of aid uh, is really tailored to provide an additional additional resources of $20 per planted acre. So again, the markets for these crops uh, disappeared overnight when that pandemic hit, and uh, while we've seen many of these markets across the country uh, begin to recover losses from earlier in the year, uh, continue to take their toll on on farm families, and so again, we're really pleased to see those uh, those provisions specifically included in the package. There was something else too that caught my eye, Ryan. And the bill changes the rules under the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program, which has to do with uh, some year-end cleaning that up in terms of uh, not getting a surprise tax bill. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and that w- that was a really big deal. Again, on top of uh, some of the, the the legislative fixes that were included in the, the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, Congress allocated another $284 billion in this round of, for, for the PPP, uh, which, which truly um, is, is a, life, a lifeline for, for farm families that are trying to keep their businesses afloat and keep employees on the job. But again, in the early, when the Paycheck Pro- Protection Program was written, uh, congressional intent was to ensure that these dollars, these forgivable loans that were going to businesses to keep uh, employers, uh, employing uh, workers, that those, those, those funds would not be subject to taxation, and ultimately um, that was a problem. So we saw um, Congress act in this package to, to fix that uh, so that, um, again, any of those expenses paid um, for things like, you know, your mortgages or rental income or, re- or rental charges, you know, those things you could pay, uh, and, and you can now deduct, the, deduct those expenses as you ordinarily would uh, on your tax return. As Ryan Yates, Managing Director of Public Policy with American Farm Bureau Federation. For more information about the past bill, you can visit our website, ruralradio.com. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Fan on the World Radio Network as we check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, as we take a look at the closing grain markets, another strong day with soybeans able to catch back up to wheat and corn on the top side of the trade as well. But when we look at the spread or the curve there going out to those new crop months, even out into t- uh, 2022, looks like there's quite a spread. Is there any play there? Yeah, it's interesting. Everything's gone inverted here. Um, so, you know, rewind four years, five years. Beans would probably stay, be the one that would have jumped inversions. But outside of the rallies we've seen in corn uh, and wheat to a small degree, 
um, we haven't seen the the cash prices jump over the deferred futures contract. So obviously it tells us that there's there's demand rationing going on. There's a need to pull supply. I think at this point in time, the question really is acreage for next year and the year following. Um, you know, right now the trade doesn't believe that supply is going to be an issue. We're trading ten dollars on November twenty-two and just at four bucks on the December twenty-twos. So you know, we're at four twenty now on December twenty-one corn and the November beans for next year trading right around just south of 11. So my advice to everybody, would, if you're brand new at this or you want to try to market a little bit ahead this summer, you know, look at the put uh, or something fixed price, a fixed floor price. So like right now, you could, you could almost get a 1040 uh, put for 40 cents. That's a $10 floor. If that would jump into the 11s, I think that's when those strategies could really help you. Um, I know $10 maybe doesn't seem that appealing at this price, but, uh, you know, so much depends on Chinese purchases and, and I'm not... Uh, you know, I'm not smart enough to know what what's going the future is going to hold regarding that. You know, often we talk about currencies and emerging currencies today. Russia's rubles getting hammered once again, while the U.S. dollar's picking up. But yep. yet, wheat stays in the green. Does this show that they're continuing to have exportability problems? Well, a little bit. But so, if the you know the ruble weakens, it uh, the thought is they're going to get more business. Now, that's where the tax offset comes in. You know, that that'll only take them so far. The other question too is like. I think a lot of the buying ahead of this tax news is probably baked in the cake, and now we're setting setting back a little bit, just waiting for the shoe to drop. I think there's one thing that Russia's pointing towards that I find intriguing is that is governments shutting down governments who export, so any exporting nations shutting down their their exports because they don't want to sell, you know, for whatever reason, whether they don't need the money or you know they just don't like the price. And uh, at this point in time, you know, Putin is. The best way to have a revolution is to have high prices. So governments are going to try to curb that, and by withholding supplies from the export market, that's going to accomplish it, at least in the short run, and they've got to do that in wheat. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. And do remember, train futures and options involve risk of loss. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up Midday here on this Tuesday. You can listen to the Midday Podcast sponsored by Devenny Motors. Find it at krvn.com or on any Android or iTunes device.